Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Trey Gowdy. I'm Shannon Bream. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, September 13th, 2022. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. China's president ventures out of country for his first trip in two and a half years, during which he will meet with Russia's president as even more U.S. officials visit and return from Taiwan. The chances of China doing something are greater than they ever have been before. I'm Dave Anthony. The last primaries are today. Just eight weeks before the midterm elections, as Democrats feel more optimistic about their chances. Why? Number one, gas prices have have gone down. So that's tempered some of the the more deeper concerns about the state of our economy. Uh, Number two, abortion has become a driving issue, especially when it comes to getting uh, Democratic voters to the polls. And I'm Ben Domenech. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. The last time China's president, Xi Jinping, took a trip outside his country, it was in the early days of the pandemic. Now he's headed to Central Asia, visiting Kazakhstan tomorrow, after which he'll meet up with Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, at the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit in Uzbekistan. While Xi had not left the country over the course of the pandemic, he did entertain, and Putin came to him, ahead of the Winter Olympics, during which the two leaders said the relationship between their countries had no limits. Since then, Russia went to war in Ukraine, and China's continued to buy Russian oil. White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre was asked again about their meeting Monday while traveling on Air Force One. We've made clear our concerns about the depth of China's alignment and uh, ties with Russia, even as Russia prosecutes a war of aggression uh, uh, in Ukraine. But again, I'm, I'm not going to speak to their meeting. Uh, they can speak to, the, to that themselves. But after U.S. elected officials visited Taiwan, the Biden administration approved of the sale of more than a billion dollars worth of arms to Taiwan, including missiles and a surveillance radar system. This particular package um, has been in the work for quite some time. Um, and quite frankly, it's because we expected that it would be needed um, as the PRC increased its pressure on Taiwan. National Security Council Coordinator John Kirby says this was being worked on even before House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit in early August and reflects what they believe are Taiwan's self-defense needs. Frankly, watching what the PRC did during and in the wake of Speaker Pelosi's visit uh, only reinforces our view uh, that these items uh, will uh, will obviously help uh, help Taiwan better defend. So. China responded to Pelosi's visit by sending out warplanes and military ships and firing off missiles. But after the administration said it approved of the arms sale to Taiwan, they asked Congress to approve of the sale as well. China demanded that the U.S. revoke the sale or face countermeasures. I think at a time when the Ukrainians are beginning to make real progress of taking back their country, she is the one entity that can supply Putin with the kind of advanced weapons that could even the playing field. California Republican Congressman Darrell Issa is on the House Foreign Affairs and Judiciary Committees. And I have no doubt that that's exactly what Putin's going to ask for. At the same time, she is at that point where he's coming up for his 
reelection, so to speak, there. And, uh, you know, he is making a strong statement that uh, communism is being reborn again between their two nations. China, as you've seen, as we've all seen, doesn't really like when your colleagues, our Congress members, go to uh, visit Taiwan. And we saw Speaker Pelosi go this summer, Senator Blackburn, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey. Uh, he specifically went to build relationships with suppliers, I guess, as, as Taiwan semiconductors setting up shop outside of Phoenix. Um, China reacted pretty strongly, military drills right next to Taiwan. How tense are things right now? Well, I was just in Taiwan. I've only been back in country for two days. And I will tell you that meeting with their president, she is uh, just as tense knowing that she is backordered on the kind of, you know, weapons that they need to defend themselves. But at the same time, she's dedicated to maintaining the freedom that Taiwan enjoys, uh, both in the private sector and, quite frankly, uh, they have elections that really matter. The political parties go back and forth, something that doesn't happen in mainland China or a lot of other countries that claim to be democracies. What did you glean from your your trip there and why did you go? Well, I went uh, with a, a number, there were eight of us, uh, six Republicans, two Democrats, and we were all a defense and foreign affairs people who went there to see what the needs were to maintain a free uh, and independent uh, Taiwan. And I think we got a good feel for their needs and their willingness to uh, pay for it. Uh, the other thing that, that, quite frankly, we saw is we saw a country uh, slash territory, however you want to refer, that really isn't trying to break away uh, from mainland China, but knows that uniting with mainland China would destroy the freedom and the independence and, quite frankly, the uh, prosperity of Taiwan. And, uh, you know, we got hate mail for doing it. But uh, I think for all of us who went there to support Taiwan, not maybe the same way as Speaker Pelosi did, but with the recognition that over the years, it's been Congress that has been the consistent supporter of these people's ability to maintain a level of freedom, something that uh, Hong Kong lost, Macau lost. And uh, if we're not careful, other countries will lose, including Ukraine. Uh, Congressman, we, we've seen Chinese drones flying more often into Taiwan. Um, the Taiwanese even shot one of those drones down recently. We know President Biden said, I think it was back in May, that we would defend Taiwan. The White House then sort of walked that back a bit, reminded us you know, of, of their understanding of the one China policy hasn't changed in the U.S. opinion. But what do you make of all that? And, and what should we do if things ramp up? Are we kind of handling Taiwan the way we're handling Ukraine? Well, uh, Taiwan isn't asking us to defend them. They're asking us to sell them at their cost uh, weapons that allow them to remain free and independent. And as long as we do that and as long as we don't send a green light to mainland China, they will remain free and independent. Uh, one of the challenges that I think this administration faces is that their credibility after Afghanistan and then after that famous 65-minute conversation that President Biden had with Putin, in which he obviously didn't tell him over my dead and bleeding body, over NATO's objections, you will not take Ukraine. And as a result, Putin thought he had a green light and he went in and I think quite candidly was shocked that the American people and the NATO allies were willing to supply the Ukrainians the weapons they needed to defend, hold their country, and now retake it. 
I think it was the um, the end of August, so just a couple weeks ago, Biden administration official NSC John Kirby had said uh, about a cap on Russian oil that they would be asking even those with closer ties to Russia to limit what they're willing to pay for Russian oil, that we're going to work with nations, even those that continue to buy that oil. If she is meeting with Putin this week, is it safe to assume that China and Russia's no limit friendship is the priority, not limiting how much they pay for Russian oil? China is an opportunistic buyer. Will they observe a cap? In other words, get a discount? Anytime they can, they will. But will they buy as much as they can? Of course they will. And this is one of the challenges is we have the ability to lower the global price of oil and natural gas by stepping up our production. If we do that, we deny Putin the kind of revenue that has allowed him to wage war. That's what it should be all about. You want to win a war without firing a shot? lower the value of oil and natural gas and other minerals coming out of Russia, lower Germany and other countries' dependence by pushing hard for our products to go there. One more on China for you. I just want your thoughts after coming back from Taiwan. What's your sense of the timeline here? Because as we know, as we've talked about, you know, Xi is going to meet with Putin. And then there was some talk earlier this year that our president Biden would be meeting with Xi possibly in November. What is your sense of whether or not that meeting might happen? Are we talking about China doing something beyond what they have done in the next few months? The chances of China doing something are greater than they ever have been before. Many people predicted 2027, 2028 would be when China would be positioned militarily, building of islands, building of a navy to essentially strangle Taiwan and take it back. And the people in Taiwan have been bracing for that for years, for that timeline. That timeline has moved up. The question is, has it moved up to 2022 or 2023? Mm -hmm. And I think that meeting and our reaction will say a lot about it. We have the ability to push that timeline back a considerable ways uh, by give uh, Taiwan that opportunity to buy time. Or we can uh, go wobbly and uh, and lose 80 percent of our supply of chips and a reliable partner and give China the ability candidly to uh, put a stranglehold on technology. Um, I do want to, before I let you go, get political for a minute. We do see the latest data. I think the Wall Street Journal has a poll. Democrats are doing a lot better than they had been ahead of midterms. Republicans are falling behind. Uh, a lot of talk about, you know, maybe Roe being behind that and the Supreme Court's decision. But Minority Leader McCarthy is apparently going to roll out the GOP's commitment to America, I think, early next week. What should that look like? What does the GOP promise to do if they're in power in the House? Well, you know, the Democrats are running on Trump and the Supreme Court somehow being on the ballot. We're running on Biden and the Democrats' majority being on the ballot. That means that high gas prices, inflation, runaway government, a lack of personal freedom, uh, including the freedom to control what your children see and do, uh, all of those are on our side. And so what's our initiative about? It's about returning to the American people the power that the Constitution guaranteed them. It's about allowing them to push for the prosperity that has been earned by the private sector. We're willing to have that debate uh, about Biden's failures, about the Democrat majority, including Nancy Pelosi's failures and their wastefulness. The reality is 
we are looking at the kind of personal liberty and states controlling their destiny and parents controlling what their children do and see. And we think that that's not only winning, but we see it in the polling uh, as Hispanics and other minorities are looking to the Republican Party for the prosperity in their future. Congressman, those things might not be on the ballot, but as you are on House Judiciary as well, I know that 18 House Republicans told U.S. Attorney General and the FBI had Chris Ray to preserve documents relating to the Mar-a-Lago search. I understand there's some talk that that's a signal about GOP plans if they take power in the House to do something regarding oversight of those agencies. So even if they're not on the ballot, some Republicans, at least, and your colleagues on judiciary are talking about making that an issue. What sort of oversight would we see? Well, you're going to see oversight for the first time in two years. The fact is, Republicans, and I'm the former oversight chairman, and serve on judiciary. And, you know, when I uh, chaired oversight, one of the things I was in charge of was the National Archives. I'm acutely aware of the responsibility to make sure that a an original or a copy of every document or of an administration, not just the president, but famously Hillary Clinton's emails, belong in the National Archives. And I support that and certainly would not support anyone leaving documents that would not be available to the National Archives. But there is no criminal penalty for not delivering every paper. And the idea that they went in aggressively and then the story kept changing as to why they were going there. Of course, we want to look at that. We want to know why they're reluctant to have a special master and continue to appeal it. But there's a lot more we want to know. We're going to want to get to the bottom of the failed decision when we left Afghanistan and what the impact is. And we're going to want to understand why they continue to not support protecting our borders and continue to say the border is secure when there will be over 100,000 fentanyl deaths this year if we continue at the runway we're going. These are things that we need to look at their policies and procedures because that's Congress's job. It's not just to write a check. It's to make sure that the check is well spent. California Republican Congressman Daryl Issa, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. 
That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. This is Ben Dominich with your Fox News commentary coming up. The final primaries are today in Delaware, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island, just eight weeks before the midterm elections. The extreme set of MAGA Republicans has chosen to go backwards, full of anger, violence, hate, and division. And that's what their game is. So President Biden is confident about his party keeping control of Congress, telling Democrats last week in Maryland... We'll codify Roe v. Wade. We'll ban assault weapons. But the Biden job approval numbers remain low. And even some in his own party are critical, saying the president's... Took too long to really begin to tackle inflation. Uh, and I think we still have work to do on lowering energy costs. That's Senator Maggie Hassan. One of the Democrats, Republicans, think they can unseat this fall. Senator Hassan is just that bad that everybody wants to fire her. But among the several Republicans running in today's New Hampshire Senate primary, Governor Chris Sununu is backing one, telling Fox... You can't govern if you don't win, right? So you got to put forth the best, the best candidate with the chance to win in November. That's Chuck Morse. Morse's closest challenger is Don Bolduck. A retired Army general, the governor has called a conspiracy theorist. They can't control me. I am not a career politician. I don't favor special interests. I scare them. So they call me names. Some Democrats have even bought ads campaigning for Bullduck, believing Hassan could beat him more easily. Whoever they nominate uh, will have a big impact on whether they can compete in, in what is a functionally battleground state for November. Josh Kraushaar is senior political correspondent at Axios and Fox News Radio's political analyst. Baldick is, is what you would call a grassroots candidate. He hasn't spent a single dollar on advertising. Really? He's gone across the state, going to town hall after town hall. He has a very anti-establishment message. I was just in New Hampshire going to his last town hall in the primary campaign. He takes on big government. He takes on you know institutions from the FBI to the IRS. He is a, a grassroots candidate saying, speaking in a very conservative manner to a lot of angry Republican voters. Is he drawing big crowds there? He's getting uh, solid crowds across, across the state. In New Hampshire, it's a very politically engaged electorate. But the problem is, like, he, he isn't ready for prime time in many ways. He'll say things. He's very authentic. But when you actually press him on the issues, the, his views are perhaps not politically sellable to a larger, broader share of the electorate. So, for example, I, I asked him, he actually made a comment at this town hall that he doesn't think the U.S. should be involved in Ukraine anymore. And I asked him, given the advances uh, that the Ukrainians have made over the last few days, given the, the support that we've given to the Ukrainians right, and helping the, them do the that. The counteroffensive's working. Do, yeah, well, well, what's going on there? And he didn't really have a, a direct answer. It was a okay. little harder to understand where he was coming from. And I, regardless of what you think about the substance, the pol- you guarantee a Senator Hassan, the Democrat, will will go after that uh, if he's the nominee. And these are that's one example of you know he's taken a lot of anti-establishment, damn the the politicians in Washington posture. But sometimes when you have to delve on the details, it can get a little little bit tougher to, to to suss out his position. And I know Republicans believe that the two House seats in New Hampshire can be flippable. Is that on the table? Do you think that's possible? Oh, yeah. I mean, these are both very competitive seats. The Cook Political Report has them as toss-ups, but the nominees and the 
quality of the nominees on the Republican side matters. And in the first district, you have a race that's coming down to a clash between Matt Mowers, who served in the Trump administration, is, is more of a traditional conservative, if you will. And he's running against a, actually a 25 year old uh, former uh, Trump and St- Ellie Stefanik staffer who has got Ted Cruz's endorsement, who came into the district, is getting a lot of these very conservative, very MAGA oriented uh, lawmakers coming to support her. And all of a sudden, what looked like a, a race where Mowers was going to win comfortably has turned into a real dogfight. Yeah. Um, and, and McCarthy and, again, and Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, backs Mowers. And as you pointed out, Elise Stefanik is is backing the 25-year-old. Is it Caroline? Is it Caroline Levitt? Is that Caroline it? Levitt? Right. Yeah. And then that's this is really interesting because you see a lot of Republicans that are more conservative have criticized Mitch McConnell. You don't hear many Republicans criticizing Kevin McCarthy. Uh, but Caroline Levitt went on Tucker Carlson's show and by name attacked and criticized Kevin McCarthy as being part of the swamp, as being corrupt. And if she's elected in November, if she wins the primary, and she'd be the youngest congresswoman in U.S. history. That's right. And in some of the ads, well, one of the ads from a moderate Republican super PAC uh, takes some of her more uh, embarrassing social media videos and posts and puts them in this very negative way. Uh, and that's one of the dominant ads that's running in New Hampshire in the final week of the campaign, arguing that she's too woke, that she's too unprepared to be a member of Congress. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's odd to have somebody who considers himself a MAGA Republican be called woke. <laughs> yeah, well, and actually, in another example, about how how kind of confusing that these these primaries are. Uh, both ads from both Mowers and uh, Levitt, they both accuse each other of being very close to Dr. Fauci. So Fauci has become an issue in this <laughs> wow. primary with both both accusing each other of being beholden to, to the, well, the former. Well, he's certainly a lightning uh, rod Fauci. among conservatives, uh, Dr. Fauci in the COVID era, for sure. All right, broaden this out. We've been hearing all about for months the red wave that might be coming because certainly it's the first election in a a new president cycle. Almost always the uh, incumbent president's party loses and loses big, like 63 seats for Barack Obama, 40 for Trump. Clinton lost more than 50 with the uh, contract uh, for America in the 90s. This time around, things have changed. At least there's been a lot of stories written about the red wave crashing or not forming at all. What's going on? Yeah, what looked like a Republican tsunami a couple months ago now looks more like a Category 1 hurricane. The environment, the fundamentals still favor Republicans. Usually the first midterm of an incumbent president, you, you lose seats. You look at the right track, wrong track. People are still largely pessimistic about the direction of the country. You know, what's happened in the last month or so is that, number one, gas prices have, have gone down. So that's tempered some of the, the more deeper concerns about the state of our economy. Uh, number two, abortion has become a driving issue, especially when it comes to getting Democratic voters to the polls. They, that issue single-handedly has cut uh, and diminished the Republican enthusiasm advantage. How are Republicans dealing with the abortion issue because it's given Democrats a very emotional issue to run on because they say Republicans have taken women's rights away. So what are they doing? How are they putting a message out to try to counter it? They're not doing a very good job of it. And, and they're not, not only are they on the defensive, but there's not a consistent message on the candidates uh, 
explaining what, where, they, where they stand. I mean, some are just saying that this is not an issue in the states. This is a, an issue. This, this is an issue for the states, not not for federal candidates like those for running for Senate uh, or the House. But that doesn't cut it, especially in a time when our politics have become much more nationalized. Biden is trying to portray anyone who, who is you know, pro-life, uh, certainly without exceptions, is, is MAGA. Though what's interesting is that Trump supporters, if you look at some of the data, uh, many of his supporters are actually less concerned about this is more of a traditional Republican issue pre-Trump. And, and a lot of Trump supporters actually are not as uh, driven by by the issue of abortion. That's why Republican Senator Ron Johnson, who's trailing Democrat Mandela Barnes in several polls in Wisconsin, tells Fox. Take a look at how miserably wrong the polling was in my first two races. I'm, I'm not too worried about those polls. I'm really not. Now, some polls have also shown Republican Blake Masters trailing in Arizona as he tries to unseat Democratic Senator Mark Kelly and Republican candidates trailing in Ohio and Pennsylvania in races for Senate seats Democrats hope to flip. Anyone who just looks at the polls and doesn't do reporting on what's actually going on on the ground, doesn't look at the data from these election results that have taken place, I think is missing a lot of the story. And, and Nate Cohn of The New York Times has a great piece explaining how the polling has really missed the mark, you know, especially in a few of these Midwestern uh, races like in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. I was in Pennsylvania also last week where you know Dr. Oz seems to be gaining ground in, in, in this Senate race against John Fetterman, despite trailing pretty badly in some of these early polls. Uh, uh, that's a race that I'm watching. I, it's a, to me, it's a clear toss-up, a very, very competitive race, uh, even though some some folks have kind of leaned it in the dire- Democrats' direction. So what's wrong uh, but, with the polling? If the Democrats are doing it wrong again, I know they had issues 2016. They thought for sure Hillary Clinton was going to win that election. Didn't work out. What what are they doing? What mistakes are they making? One of the theories that, that was very popular post-2020 is that when you have like Roe v. Wade being overturned, there's a cohort of Democratic voters that just want to respond to polls. They, they want to tell you how upset they are. And some of the core Republican voters, some of Trump's bigger supporters, don't trust pollsters. They'll hang up the phone when, when they gotcha. uh, hear a pollster calling. So, so there is a theory. And I, think it's very, I think there's a compelling theory, especially in some of these working class Midwestern states where they're undersampling the number of these working class voters who have become very Republican voters. And that's... And, and the New York Times points out that Georgia and Arizona, the polling has actually been pretty good lately. It's Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and one or two other states where the polling has been really bad over the last few elections. So what will former President Trump's role be in these last eight weeks? He plans to hold more rallies, warning like he did earlier this month in Pennsylvania. Democrats have a socialist agenda. We're going left wing all the way. Fascists. They are fascists. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them, but they're getting closer and closer. We have to win this election. Some Republicans want the former president to offer House and Senate candidates more financial support. Trump folks will tell you that he's spending his time. He's spending his his capital uh, without spending money on, on, on the candidates. He's he's going to uh, Ohio uh, this weekend. He went to Pennsylvania to campaign for Dr. Oz and campaign for the, Doug Mastriano, the gubernatorial nominee, the, this past week. So, like, that's what the Trump folks will say. But the reality is that there's some candidates, including those he endorsed, that are getting badly outspent on television. Blake Masters, uh, it comes to mind in Arizona. J.D. Vance in Ohio. And 
and the Trump super PAC, which could be helping these guys out, is staying on the sidelines. So Trump, it's not that Trump isn't helping some of his candidates, but he's just not doing it with money. He's not doing it with actual financing of, of campaign ads. Anybody think still that former President Trump's going to announce a 2024 White House run before the midterms? That that ex- expectation is, is diminished, especially with the legal issues that the former president's facing uh, with with the search at, the, at his Mar-a-Lago mansion. Uh, look, he, that both complicated his legal situation, but also melded some Republican folks to his side. So he's less worried, I think, both about the political situation within his own party, but he's more worried about the legal situation uh, externally, and that's delayed any any possible presidential announcement. Josh Kraushauer, who is a senior political correspondent for Axios, Fox News radio political analyst. Thanks again for joining us. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Ben Dominic. What's on your mind? One of the dynamics going into the 2022 midterm elections is that the media really is advancing the argument that Republicans are losing the culture war. This is something that they've been pushing in Politico and Washington Post and Axios and other media sources over the past several weeks. But when you actually look at the evidence, what you'll find is that simply isn't the case. There is no real basis to make the argument that Democrats are winning the culture war battles. Instead, what you actually see is that a surprising number of Americans are with Republicans when it comes to all of these issues, including on the issues of crime, on the issues of schools, on the issues of transgender issues, and on, of course, the issues related to guns and abortion, some of the most significant culture war dynamics and hotspots. One of the things that I think you need to appreciate is that so much of this is a gaslighting attempt on the part of the media to try to drive Republicans away from making winning arguments. If they will only lean into these issues and vocalize the opinions that they have on so many of this, they will actually see a significant benefit. And of course, one of the biggest culture war issues in America today, the immigration issue and border security is something that overwhelmingly benefits Republicans and conservative candidates who overwhelmingly favor secure borders and a responsible immigration policy. You won't hear that from the established media sources, but it's actually true. And it's a dynamic that they are afraid of, which is why they're lying to you about it. I'm Ben Dominich. Listen and subscribe to the Ben Dominich podcast, which you can find at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. 
Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.